All right. What is up, everybody? Welcome again to another week of the Chalk Talk podcast. I'm your host, Ken Doolittle, joined as always by resident college basketball fan for this season uh, and my co-host, Michael Burke. Coming to you last week, I did a little fireside chat for you guys this week. We're coming to you a little Dirk Nowitzki style, holding the mic uh, circa the 2011 uh, NBA Finals post games. Um, Burke, tomorrow's the best day of the sports year, isn't it? Tomorrow, tomorrow is what we like to call Christmas in March. It is one of my favorite, most anticipated sports days of the year. Everybody still has a chance in any of their pools, just as good as anybody. And then usually by about three, four o'clock, half the world's complaining about one big upset or something like that. So, um, but this is one of the best times of the year, really the, the professional life with your work completely slows around lunchtime tomorrow. And it's not going to pick up until about Monday next week. Cause you got games going on uh, for four straight days, just nonstop action and, uh, some of the it's all the best teams in the country so you know you're going to get a lot of close games possibly some buzzer beaters hopefully some good upsets and hopefully by Sunday a few of you after listening to some of our tips on here will still be standing in whatever office or uh, friend pools you'll be in uh, throughout the course of the next few weeks yeah so I mean that's the goal tonight right like we're not um, we're not future seers but we can hopefully help you fill out the bracket a little better I was listening to uh, Jay Billis on a pod today who was who made a very good point and he's you know one of the best um, at picking these college or predicting what's going to happen in these college games um, but even he was like you know I, I can't predict who's going to win I can just kind of tell you what's going to happen and how these teams play and how they match up um, but who wins and who covers more specifically is really more so I don't want to say random but but it's, it's much harder to predict. Um, but two things that you said that I want to hit on number one, um, the buzzer beaters, one of my favorite bets. And I feel like this is a fading the public or fading the fun kind of bet. I bet every year that there's going to be zero buzzer beaters from Thursday to Sunday. And that hits almost every single year. You believe that? Say that one more time. No buzzer beaters from Thursday to Sunday. And it hits almost every single year. It's like minus 200. Well, what's what's determined? A the clock beater? has to go to zero. Well, so basically, if, if somebody hits a game winner with like 0. 0.4 to go, it, it doesn't, doesn't count. count. It's not a buzzer beater. That's very safe. That's it's, it's one of my favorite bets. It's a good if bet. You got it. You got to get through 32 games. And a lot of people think they're going to be close. But usually that game winners with some change left on the clock. So, well, no, no, no. The game winner includes anything that's or I'm sorry, the buzzer beater includes anything that's a buzzer beater. So it could be oh, so like, up like, by 30. Oh, but like usually the, in that case, they're not shooting or they're running the clock out. So you get some of those too. Right. But what if you get one of those teams that just like gets the ball down there down 30 and they just chuck one in at the, as time expires. Well, that's, that's the risk. Then you lose the bet, but I've won it a couple of years in a row. If you could find it on a sports book, it's a fun bet. Cause you're, you're either instantly out of it right away, or it's something you could at least watch every single game for uh, and have some fun. But I like that one. I feel like that's maybe going against the fun, but I don't know. I, I feel like it hits pretty routinely. Um, and then number two, we were talking about tomorrow being the best day of the year. And I tweeted this out on my personal account earlier today. And I was just thinking some of the best sporting days of the year, because I don't love college basketball, but 
the Thursday of March Madness just is a lot of fun. Uh, probably one of the least productive office days across the country because not a soul will not have their second monitor up to uh, the, the four screen of the games or something like that. Not, not um, only that, but in the morning before noon, you got people probably using their work time trying to fill out these. You got to fill out a brag. You're probably in a work pool and you're, and you're handing that something into somebody. got deleted. You're trying to overanalyze everything and you're just running out of time and uh, just a very wasted day. That's for sure. No, nothing, nothing gets done from tomorrow morning, really through next Monday. Um, at least in my personal life, I, I'm sure everybody else can echo that. Um, but some of the best sporting days of the year. So March Madness, Thursday and Friday, we'll lump that into one, but we'll say Thursday. Number one, I was thinking the Masters Sunday, that's a pretty, uh, pretty epic day of the year. It's springtime, you know, right, right around Easter, the weather's turning. It's usually a good, uh, competition day, opening day for baseball. The season really starts to drag, but opening day is usually pretty cool, and you get to see a lot of teams play um, and another good weather time of year. The Super Bowl obviously comes to mind as one. Uh, NBA on Christmas Day, obviously because it's Christmas, but also I just love the games on Christmas Day. I like the Sunday at Wimbledon. Do you have anything else out there? Um, I'm a big fan of U.S. Open Sunday for golf. That's Father's, right. day. That's Father's day weekend. Um I think that's, I, I get there, obviously, I think you mentioned the Kentucky Derby already. That's the Derby is another one I tweeted. I think that's, that's a good day. That's a kickoff for summer. I'd say NFL wildcard weekend and the divisional series. I okay. Think that's, that's a pretty good tandem there too. I'm going to change um, that a little bit. I, I think you're right, but I'm going to say the first Saturday of NFL football, whenever that comes, usually sometime in December, I love when that Saturday football starts, man. Right. And I actually, I enjoy, uh, Honestly, I like New Year's Day with all the college football games. I mean, I know it's kind of watered down now because yeah. they move a lot of the big games before January 1st, but you used to have every single major bowl was played on January 1st, and that was the day of college football. Yeah. Um, but not so much anymore, but that used to be back yeah. several years ago. I mean, ago. it's still a big one for people that like college football. I despise college football, so I can't watch it, but it is a big day for college football. And you, you could even say like, what do they do? New Year's Eve now too. They do a couple games. Yeah. I mean, they, unless it's the Rose bowl hosting one of the uh, yeah. semifinal games, all the games have been, all the playoff games have been New Year's Eve now. So it's kind of like a, a two day ordeal, which yeah. kind of waters it down a little bit, not as fun, but yeah, well, this goes up there. I think this is number one. Um, I, I love the Thursday of March madness. There's just games all day and there's so many games on, um, that you really can't go wrong. And there's definitely bound to be some good games. You like the upsets more than I do though. I hate the upsets because that means that we got to watch a shitty team play again next week instead of a good team last year, Illinois losing to, uh, Loyola Chicago, right. Yep. Uh, that not only ruined my bracket, but ruined my entertainment probably for the next two games because I had watched that crappy ass team play. And that big white guy with the mustache, I had to watch him play instead of, uh, DeSumo and, um, Kofi. And yeah, I wanted if, that. If, if, if you dug down to the analytics, like I did, Loyola was just on par with Illinois. With well, look, I remember you telling me that, and I, I don't want you to toot your own horn, but I'm going to toot your horn for you. You were I telling also, me that was a game to, to pick. For the record, I did not have the balls to make that pick in my bracket, so I did lose on that game. Oh, you did? See, I was letting you get away with it. I thought you actually picked it because you were talking to no, me about the it number, the numbers, The numbers were right in front of me, and I couldn't pull the trigger. Well, all right. Well, I was going to give you some credit there, but I mean, you still talked about it. You still picked it, but then we had to watch that team again. And I would have much rather watched Illinois. So how do you, how do you justify that as somebody who likes the upsets? When we see a 14 seed beat a three seed, people don't realize we then have to watch that 14 seed again and potentially again, instead of seeing the best teams. 
Well, often with these upsets, it's very rare that double-digit seeds advanced more than one round. Usually it's just like a one-round ordeal, and then the cream starts to rise to the top um, with the better teams advancing in the later rounds. But I think it, it gives that, like – that fighting man a chance, like even, even the small schools that don't have all the money invested in the program, they don't have the blues, the blue chip recruits coming in on a yearly basis. Um, it gives them a chance. And when, when one of these situations, like, for example, I went to a small college, Lehigh university, not on par with the big ACC school, stuff like that. When we, when they beat Duke in the 2012 tournament, that the, the whole campus was going crazy. And, uh, the whole, the whole sports world was actually going crazy because of just the, the magnitude of an upset like that. And even though they lost in the second oh, round, huge. That, I know. that second game wasn't as spicy for, for viewers most likely, but yeah. people, people always, the upsets last longer in memory than what happens. And it's part of the history of March madness. And what's get, it's what, no, man, it, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still on the other side of that. Is. And you mentioned that Duke one with Lehigh and that was a big one. And obviously, you know, uh, we, I had texted you because you're associated with Lehigh, potentially the bigger one. Uh, our, our other pal was a retriever for a couple of years, actually yes, played on was. the team yes, and they was. defeated Virginia as a 16 to one seed. And so that was huge. And we were all texting him, but like, if you don't know anybody who played for UMBC or you don't know anybody who goes to Lehigh, you really don't care after like the next day, right? Like you're over it. And then you have to watch this bad team play again. Right. Uh, well, they're not net. They're not technically bad teams they're conference champions in their own okay. right but when you just when you Fair. stack it up against bad in against comparison the dukes and the north carolinas right and kentucky's it's 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 david versus goliath but that's what makes the right. tournament great I now mean, last look, year i did enjoy a big upset because i had the orals oral roberts i actually picked them oh you did I did. Do you remember texting about that? Because I think that was a um, uh, that was one of the first. That was one of the first games on Friday, and a lot of people at Ohio State going very, very far. And I only had them going in the second round, so I wasn't as nervous as a lot of the people were. But Oral Roberts, they ended up winning two games. They almost won. They almost won three games. They They almost won again. I know. They had a chance to win in the Sweet Sixteen, and the three pointer rimmed out. But I I remember that. Um, Who was that? Florida. Or did they beat Florida? I don't maybe No, that was against Arkansas. Arkansas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They, yeah, they had a good my, stretch last year. Yeah. My biggest pick last year was the 14 seed Abilene Christian knocking off Texas. Oh, Texas. Texas. You you after I remember Texas you picking that one too. Big 12. And I remember uh, watching that one. And I don't do as much homework as you do. So I'm like, why is he picking this, you know, purple wearing 20 point a game scoring team? The, and it turns out that they one, were just disgusting enough to like hold number, down Texas. They were number one defensive team in the country against a relatively average offense who just played four straight games against they were, they were in not in-state rivals, but they were their in-state teams, both from the state of Texas and I just I felt really good about it and ended up hitting. Oh, although I didn't have him advancing further than the next round, but not many people are insane enough like me to go out on a limb unless you kind of dig into the numbers and the weeds a little bit to try and figure out maybe this team does have a chance. Yeah, and I mean that's the thing, right? Like you could pick the upsets that you want to pick, um, and you could try to be wise and you could try to like outsmart the crew um or you could try to be right and sometimes there's a a big difference there of like trying to pick an upset just because you think there should be an upset versus 
like actually picking an upset because you think it could happen. So we're not here to talk about last year. We're here to talk about this year's bracket. And I think we want to give out, we're going to sprinkle in, we're going to talk about some games. We're going to go through the bracket. Um, not every game, but we're going to go region by region. But we're also going to sprinkle in some rules of how we pick these brackets. And my first rule, and we didn't kind of go over these with each other, so I'll get your genuine reaction. My first rule when picking a bracket is if I'm going to pick an upset, like a significant upset, not like a nine over an eight or something, and it doesn't matter because they'll probably lose to the one anyway. But if you're going to pick an upset, you better be damn sure that they're going to lose in the next round, right? Because you can't pick an upset over like a three seed and then assume that that three seed is going to go really far and then they do and your whole region is cooked, right? So if you're going to pick this this seed, you better be sure that that team is losing to the other competitor in the round of 32. Yeah, I agree from an, from an upset standpoint. I mean, most of the upsets that occur in March Madness, it's like, it's like your four seed beating one seeds in the sweet 16, or it's, it's, it's an eight, maybe sneaking past a one, which doesn't happen often, but it's right. usually in the later round. So when I analyze and I go through a bracket and I have one filled out, there's all these critic. there's not every game means the same. Like you're really focused on the teams that you have going very, very far. Right. Um, and if, if they lose, you, you lose your opportunity to score points in multiple rounds. And it's, although you want to pick upsets and be unique, you also want to throw a little chalk in there to protect yourself just to guarantee points down the road. Cause not every, not every game is going to be an upset. Correct. And, and what I'll do when I fill mine out is I'll, you know, I'll go through and I'll stake the ones to win their first round matchup. Usually the twos, not last year. Cause I liked Oral Roberts for really no reason. Um, but I'll take the ones I'll take the twos. I'll, I'll take like a small look at the three fourteens because those do happen occasionally. Um, and the, or the three fourteen, yeah. And the four thirteen. So they happen from time to time. Obviously the five twelve is, uh, one of the Very biggest common. upset matchups. But, There's usually but, always one of those. Honestly, the most common one right now has been the 11s over sixes. That's the 11s hitting, over the sixes. There's that one that I like this year. So frequently, I, I think I'm picking. There's one that I love this year. I'm curious if you have the same one as me. An older team, a veteran team, a good shooting team. Sounds like Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. That is my 11C. They're an 11, right? Over six? They're an 11, yep. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite picks on the board. Um, I love that one. And I think the other one that's an 11, um, Michigan is a 11, right? Michigan's an 11 against Colorado State. So they're going to um, get smacked around by Colorado State from what I think. I actually don't think so. I think oh, it's gonna, okay. I think it's going to be the opposite way around just because of what I saw last night with Indiana being where they are and kind of kind of manhandling Wyoming, which is the same conference as Colorado State makes me go out to believe that even though the Mountain West was very competitive and they got four teams in the tournament, it may not be as strong when you compare it to like a middle of the road Big 10 team which is exactly what Michigan is. You look, at right. the, you look at the analytics here, the teams are basically even. So that point spread's probably going to be two points or less. I think Michigan's was favored last I checked as the 11 seed in that game. Wow. So really? I okay. think you got to kind of look at the star power and there's, there's, there's two stars on each team. Uh, one, the Colorado state player, Roddy, uh, solid, solid player. He's getting a lot of, uh, 
good reviews from all the analysts around the college basketball world. And obviously Hunter Dickinson um, from Michigan, their big man who's basically willed them into the tournament by turning that. He was there last year, right? He was a freshman last year. And remember, I don't like how that guy plays. Michigan went, was a one seed last year. They went all the way to the elite eight. They ended up losing to UCLA by two. Yep. And usually they went to the final four and they've got a lot of pieces from that team from a year ago that, and when I look at the, if, if there's, if there's a revenge factor, like you get knocked out the year before relatively early and you got a lot of your team coming back, they're going to use the whole season as motivation. I think it's a good spot to take an 11 seed and take Michigan over Colorado state, even though uh, they are the lower seed in this scenario. All right. So we we disagree on that one. It sounds like we agree on Virginia Tech. I'm I picked Michigan to lose in like I think every bracket um, that I have, but okay. I do like experience. Um, and again, you are more well versed on this than me. So I'm doing like I hop into college basketball about six days ago and start to do my homework for the sole purpose of filling out a bracket because it's super fun. But I like teams with experience, and I love teams with like NBA caliber talent because NBA talent is significantly different and better than college talent. So if you have two, three of those guys that are going in the lottery or the first round, that makes a huge difference. There's a couple teams, obviously, that come to mind that are not as experienced that have won. Um, there was a Duke team, right? 2015, 2015, they were led by three freshmen, the Kentucky team with, and then the Kentucky team of 2012. I was going to say, I think I looked that up earlier. And then before that, you really got to go back to, I mean, even though they had seniors on their roster, the Oh three Syracuse team led by Carmelo and GMAC. They were two freshmen. Well, there you go, right? Mello, one of the top whatever NBA. That was one of like the time. first teams where like a true freshman was like the the go to guy. Like we'd never seen it before at that kind of right. level because at that time anybody who was good coming out of high school went right to the NBA. They went they to the pros, to right? And and it shows because Mello is now a you know in the top ten of scoring in the league. Um, so that was another thing. You know, we look for these NBA players. But let's start in the West. So we have Gonzaga in the West. They, they've been our squad for two years now. Uh, Drew Timmy is still kind of our our unofficial mascot um, for the two of us. We love that guy. Uh, they have a potential number one pick in the draft. Some of the pieces from last year, they lost a couple key pieces. I still think they come out of that one. You're looking at um, Duke as the two seed, and then Texas Tech as the three seed. Um, I'm going to say Duke wins their first round matchup might lose in the second round. I I have watched about two games of Duke this year. Um, I don't know how they would win a close game down the stretch because I don't think they have anybody that wants to win that game. They are, they are going to have five first round draft picks starting for them. Really? Okay. So I didn't know that. So that goes against my logic because of the youth it's, it's kind of showed because with coach K being it's last year in those, in the last home game against North Carolina, that youth, they, I don't know if they're like, they're feeling the pressure that they got to perform because it's coach, it's coach K's last season and they want to let him go out a winner, but they, they just, they just, they look kind of tired and beaten down. And I know the ACC is not as, as strong as it's been in the past, but they got absolutely manhandled in the ACC title game against an experienced Virginia Tech team that was not going to make the tournament unless they won the ACC. And they right. absolutely took it to them. Even though Duke is on paper, maybe the most talented, if not more talented than Gonzaga. And remember, they've beaten Gonzaga already this year head to head. I just, I don't think. Michigan State's going to give them a fight. I don't. I'm not taking 
uh, Michigan State to beat Duke in the round of 32. Yeah. But Texas Tech has some ballers. And Texas Tech, that- I think – they can they can push those guys around the way they play defense. Number two statistically defensively in the country this year, Texas Tech. Um, I'm That's actually as far as I have Duke going in a couple. I'm of actually I, I have them going to the Sweet Sixteen, but I think Texas Tech beats them. And then yeah, I haven't made my official picks yet, but I'm leaning Texas Tech to beat Gonzaga to go to the Final Four. Wow. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. I, I have Duke winning their first round matchup in all my brackets. So I don't think that's a, an issue this year. Um, I have them losing to Michigan state in a couple, and then I have them losing to Texas tech and the rest. So I don't have a bracket where they surpass Texas tech, um, as the three, I think Texas tech is the second best team in the West. Um, no other competitors. Statistically, statistically they are Duke is right behind them at third based on my numbers. Um, and then after that, you got Arkansas and Alabama and UConn that are right there. And yeah. even the eight, nine matchup, Boise state and Memphis. I mean, this is on paper statistics. It's a pretty this, heavy. Uh, this, is a, this is a top heavy region, which it's a heavy region, which, which makes me want to think that there aren't going to be that many first round upsets in this region. But since the teams get better, and they're closer in rankings offensively and defensively, you're going to see your upsets in this region happen second round and later, as opposed to the 12 beating the five in this region or a 13 beating the four. Right. Yeah. Which, so you could which see that actually, come out here, which actually the 13 could beat the four in this scenario. Cause Vermont's one of my go-to 13 seeds. Well, just, any of the 13s could beat the four. I, I like the Arkansas well, team. Any, I don't know any, about any Vermont. Of the 16s some... could beat the one too, but it doesn't happen. You're correct. You're correct. I also saw the spread on this Gonzaga game was only like 21 and a half. Um, they're probably going to win by like 30, some at 40 at least. Hammer, so if it's, hammer. if that's still in the twenties, even if it's like 28 and a half, 29 and a half, I would definitely take that DraftKings, by the way, offering a boost $50 max bet, even odds for Gonzaga just to win that game. So if you have DraftKings, that's probably a free 50 bucks in your account. Uh, we have a comment in the chat from uh, Larry Gilman fist fight during the Colorado state, Michigan game odds. I'd say minus minus one twenty for yes. Uh, and I'll definitely bet the yes. Cause I, I don't know. I would love to see that happen again. Um, we also have a chat uh, comment in the chat um, from Danny who says, can't spell sweet 16 without Colgate. Danny, you are correct. Colgate, one of the darlings of the tournament multiple times, I believe. Correct. No, they've never won a tournament game. Really? Not out of the Patriot League, no. They've been they've been the Patriot League representative the last three years, and they've pushed their first-round opponents to the brink, but they haven't come out on top That yet. must be what I'm thinking of. I thought Buck, they won a couple games like one Buck, year or something. Maybe Bucknell, not. You, Bucknell was a long time ago. Lehigh, obviously, a couple years ago. Yeah. That's that's it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. I thought, they, I thought there was a year where they won a game or two, but – uh, maybe not. Maybe this is the year. Who knows? Are they even in the tournament? I don't know. Yes, they uh, are. They, they won the league, and they're they're facing off in the. Well, we'll mid- get there. They're in the Midwest. We'll get to that later. We'll we'll get to that one later. Let's start with the E, or let's uh, move to the East. So Baylor, the one seed in this region, um, and then you have Kentucky as the two seed. Purdue is the three. UCLA is the four. St. Mary's is the five, and then who cares is the six through sixteen. Um, I it's hard to bet against Baylor. They have a good team, but I am going to bet against Baylor. Kentucky is my favorite to get out of this region. Um, the other game to highlight in this UCLA may be a sleeper because they have a couple returning pieces from last year's final four run. If they've I hate got that team, they've, they've got all the returning pieces, 
plus some transfers. I hate that team so much. I will not bet on them. Um, so I am totally biased here, but I'm not taking UCLA to come out of this bracket. Sounds like Burke will make a better case for them. I'm taking Kentucky because I think Kentucky is one of the five or six teams that has a shot to win the whole thing. Um, I don't know. Why not take them to get out of here? The other game that I want to take a look at is Murray State and San Francisco. Uh, on paper, those are both probably six seeds, and it's a 7-10 matchup. I think they're both really good. I think Murray State is really good, and I think it's unfortunate that they draw Kentucky in the second round. So I'm picking Murray State in that game to lose to Kentucky in the next round. I think it's a shame that Murray State and San Francisco drew themselves because I feel both yes. of those teams are capable of winning a first-round game. That's just how good I think they're are. both six seeds, yeah. No, well, San Francisco's the 10 and Murray State's the seven. Um, I think I, they should I both be six seeds. Based on, based on the data I'm looking at, they should be at least a seed higher and in different regions. Just It's, so it's a shame that the committee did that because those are – those are mid Murray state's got 30, they're 30 and two this year. Um, even though they yeah. don't have Ja Morant on their team, when Ja torched Marquette in the NCAA tournament yes. three years ago, the seniors on this team now were freshmen with him. So they have that experience in the tournament about winning a game and they, this team is somebody to look out. And if they get a matchup with Kentucky in the second round, you know, they're, you know, they're going to push them to the brink. I just don't know if they can get past San Francisco. San Francisco is a very solid team. Yeah. Um, they, he's, they got a superstar player. I forget what his name is. I think he's a point guard. But that game is going to be – if because even though it's not a high-profile – It's unfortunate, uh, though, because it feels like it's more of a high-profile. It feels like it's like an upset, be, um, you know, round of 32 game or something like that. That is my, my low-key game of the first round. To they watch. were – I believe Murray State was the best seven seed – um, and San Francisco was the number one 10 seed. So they're both the best of their seeding. Right. Um, so how this worked out then that they play each other and then play Kentucky is, you know, not for me to say. Speaking of seeding, we have another question in the chat. Um, Larry says, are you guys into seeding? I saw a take about people complaining about conference champs having to play play in games while big schools getting randomly. I actually agree with this. I was talking to my coworker about this the other day. How can these play in games not be anything other than 16 seeds? I don't understand that. If you have to play your way into the tournament, how are you not a 16 seed? I actually, I actually am going to disagree with you on this. I thought this was, this was going to go somewhere else. I okay. think what they should do is everybody, all the 16 seeds in the tournament have won their conference tournament. You're not getting like right. a, a Mississippi state that is getting right. a 16 seed. They are all low major conference tournament winners and I have seen things, and I'm actually in agreement with it. Let all the 16 seed conference champions get in, whether they get a 16 seed or a 15 seed, let them get to that Thursday or Friday first round matchup instead of having to play one of them to face a number one seed and let the final eight play in games be the four, last four in and the first four out and let the bubble teams fight their way in for the last spots. I think that would be a That's significantly better way of doing it. And that way, anybody who's on the bubble has a chance to play their way in. And if you can't win a game against the bubble team, you don't deserve to get in. That's interesting. But guess what? To me, we already have 64 teams. It's too many in the first place. We don't need 68. And we certainly don't need these bubble teams playing more games to get in. Like, tough luck. If you're on the bubble, you should have won more games this year. You know what I mean? So I get your point. I just think that, that 64 was the right number. I don't know why we need 68 in the first place. Um, but it comes down to like a disdain for these mid majors, right? Like they, they want the, 
the big conferences to win. And obviously the big conferences probably will win. Um, but I don't understand how, if you have to play your way into a tournament that you're not the 16 seed, do you know what I'm saying? Like make that conference winner, give me Norfolk state as a 15 seed then, and make these play-in games where it's, um, you know, whoever the play-in game is in that region, uh, Rutgers or Notre Dame, I think, or, or is the play-in game that's yet to come. Is that right? They should be a 16 seed then. No, no, they should. But they're not in the field of 64. So how can they be seated higher than the teams that are in the field of 64? Like that's that's doing a disservice to the conference champion. Well, it's because it's it's the Power Five versus everybody else scenario. Those Power Five. Correct. Teams that's what I said. Better. Yeah. They're just they're just better, so they're not gonna they're not gonna get a 16 seat. You're not ranking the top 68 teams in the country because obviously some of these conference champions wouldn't be in the top 68 in the country. Correct, right? I understand that, but you're giving you're giving 64 seeds, right? Or you're giving 60 seeds, and then you're having eight teams play to get into four remaining seeds, Spots. right? Correct. So I just think that if you have to play your way into this tournament you shouldn't be anything higher than the lowest seed in the bracket, right? Like the NBA play-in, if the seven seed beats the eight seed, they're not suddenly, if the Nets win the play-in tournament, they're not suddenly the two seed because they're better than the other teams. Agreed, but it's, it's, it's just, it's a little bit different because. It's a little bit wacky because the logic is. Because in the NBA, you play every single team. So you kind of know where you stand on that. In sure, college, I, I get that. You don't yeah. do that, and you you double up on teams that are not as good as some of the other the major conferences right. that are doubling up on teams, and that's what goes when I mean that's fair the schedule and the analytics and all that kind of stuff, which is why some of these playing games you got teams fighting for 11th and 12th seeds as opposed to 16 seeds, and I feel like they should all be fighting for the 11, 12, and 13 seeds. Let all the bubble teams get in or, or fight for their spot, and give all the conference champions that automatic without having to play Tuesday or Wednesday, get on a flight late and then travel somewhere Thursday or Friday, which another thing that I'm absolutely disgusted about, all these teams playing in the first four, the winners, at least with Indiana last night, they have to fly to Portland. They flew after the game immediately to fly out to Portland. You got a three-hour time difference, short rest, got to play a game tomorrow, and then tonight's game, the Rutgers-Notre Dame winner, they got to go, I believe, to San Diego. At least if they're going to be doing a playing game, then they have to travel for a game two days later. Keep it in the same time zone or something. I mean, yeah, I guess I don't know. I find that's it. that's honestly going into my thinking because St. Mary's is already on the sure. West Coast. They don't have to adjust. Alabama's probably already out at their location, so they're 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 more acclimated than these teams flying in late tonight, early tomorrow. It's it's in tra travel sucks coming from a former division one athlete you travel there it is there's the name night, drop and you you get in late at night and you have to play the next day you are you are definitely rusty if yeah i think that should go into your consideration for the bets and for your bracket certainly um but i mean they're gonna get to be in the tournament so that's you know they won their game and if you don't want to do that then hey be better in the regular season and then you don't have to do your playing game um but talking about seating real quick too uh who does the bracketology is it joe lenardi Joe Lenardi's ESPN, Jerry Palms, yeah. uh, CBS. And so these guys get uh, like 67 or 66 of the 68 teams every year. And maybe they're perfect one, a couple of years. Is it really that hard to do? I feel like if you and I sat down for like 20 minutes, we could get like 62 of the teams, right? Yeah, but it's, 
there's a lot more like minor criteria that the NCAA selection committee has to hit in order to like, based on where these games are located, you have to see. No, I, I get it. That, I understand. Good stuff. But, but for the purposes of ranking teams for seating, if, if, if the, if the sites were completely arbitrary and anybody could go anywhere, I feel like we could sit down and go through and look at all the resumes and be able yeah. to do somewhat of an accurate job. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I, I, I more, more so wanted to give this guy credit for developing a career that probably you and I could almost do. And he does for maybe three weeks of the year and then makes millions of dollars from it. And then uh, probably does not do much the rest of the year. So kudos to you, Joe Lenardi for making a career out of uh, a word you probably made up in bracketology um, and, and finding these seeds. I'm, I'm jealous of him, to be honest. But let's take a look at um, – oh, so sorry, uh, in the East region, I've got Kentucky coming out of there. Who do you have coming out of there? Texas Tech, you said? No, no, Texas Tech was the uh, the West. This, oh, sorry. I'm, I am – I don't think Baylor can. They're a very good team again. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I don't think they had the firepower that they did last year, um, and they've, they've dealt with some injuries throughout the course of this year to some critical players in their rotations um, that I think is going to come back to haunt them once they start facing some really good teams in the later rounds. Um, I actually kind of like, I like the top four seeds to make it to the sweet 16 in this region. And then I like Kentucky to get, to get past Purdue. And I like UCLA to upset Baylor. And so you got a blue blood matchup with UCLA and Kentucky in the elite eight. And I'm leaning UCLA because they were so close last year with basically everybody coming back. I can, I think mm-hmm. they're going to use that emo- motivational factor to get back to the final four and get over the top and potentially win a national championship. Yeah. And I had them as one of my six teams that could actually win the whole thing. So just jumping ahead a little bit, um, getting to the final four is different than winning the whole tournament. So there's a lot of teams that could in theory, make it to the elite eight or the final four. There's only ever four to five to six that can win the whole thing and actually win the championship. Um, Kansas, Arizona, Gonzaga, Kentucky, UCLA, Villanova. That's my preliminary list that I've made this year. Don't know if you have any other teams. I'm sure we'll get there in the other regions. But as far as this region, we like Kentucky. Murray State and San Francisco is probably the best game that's not a top seed. That's one you're going to want to tune into. Um, Purdue probably wins their first round. Like Yale's not going to upset Purdue, we don't think. Yes or no? One word? No. No. Uh, Virginia Tech. I love Virginia Tech to upset Texas. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Burke likes UCLA going pretty far. Um, St. Mary's, Indiana, it's a five twelve pick Indiana if you want. Um, but Burke says that St. Mary's may be the play there. I don't know what he's officially picking North yeah, Carolina Marquette. I'm leaning, I'm leaning St. Mary's North Carolina Marquette. I'm leaning UNC UNC. I, you pick UNC on name value alone, right? Like Dwayne Wade ain't walking out those doors. No, but uh, Marquette's just a little too young this year. And UNC's yeah. just, even though they were in a, a down ACC this year, I, they have enough firepower to, uh, uh, to get by at least round one. And potentially if, if you're looking at a eight, nine seed winning their second round game against a one seed, assuming we're all taking the one seeds to win their first round matchup. UNC, I think has the best chance out of any of them to win and get to the sweet 16. Interesting. Yeah. I'd probably agree. Um, just cause I like the other one seeds so much. Um, so let's move to the South region. The other side of the bracket here, Arizona's the top dog in this region. Uh, Villanova, the two, Tennessee, the three, a lot of buzz about them being underseeded. People say they should be a two. I say, who cares? The four seed, Illinois, 
Uh, and then you go down to Houston at five, um, Colorado state at six. Uh, let's talk big picture and then we'll kind of hone in. I think Villanova comes out of this bracket. Um, I love Arizona. And I think that, I think that this will be a one, two matchup. I think that Arizona advances and I think that Villanova advances because Arizona does the thing that I love and you're shaking your head. So I'm interested to hear your counterpoint. Arizona does the thing that I love more than anything. They score a shit ton of points. And if you can score points, you're going to win games. Uh, and it's just a matter of time before more of these college teams catch up and just say, Hey, we've got to shoot. We've got a space. We've got to score. Arizona's there. Well, you know, it seems you know, like you like them. Maybe you, you don't do you, like Villanova. Do you, do you know why Arizona scores a lot of points? Uh, no, I want to tell you why. Cause their head coach who's in his first year as a head coach was the lead assistant for Mark few and Gonzaga for the last several Who years. Also scores a boatload of points and they play they run, super they fast. Run, they run very similar offenses that are very, it's, it's, it's basically running an NBA offense with NBA players at yes. the college level, which is and a that's why I like Gonzaga so much last year. And that's why we had him to get to the finals. And then it was kind of, you know, I liked him over Baylor. You like Baylor over them, but we knew that those two teams were probably going to be there because of how Gonzaga played, they played an NBA style offense where it was pace and space. And they had a big man who could do it down low. If you needed him to, too. I like Arizona here. seems like you do too, but maybe you're lower on my Villanova pick. Yeah. Villanova is a good team, but I think the big East as a whole is not as strong nationally as it's been there. It's still a very good conference top to bottom. One of the best in the country, but the teams at the top, you look at Providence, they're a four seed, but, they should really be like a six or a seven seed based on everything. Um, I think they're overseeded, which may be one of my four thirteen upsets in the first round. Um, Tennessee. I last year, Tennessee, I, I had them going far. They get blown out in round one against Oregon state who ended up going to the elite eight Oregon state this year went like three and 30. It was an unbelievable. Wow. Turnaround. Really? No, I didn't they go from the elite eight to three and 30. Um, I, I think it was because they lost a lot of seniors from the team last year. Anyway, Tennessee, I didn't watch them at all this year, except they beat Arizona head to head credit. It was a home game for them, but they beat Arizona head to head and they play defense. And in the NCAA tournament, I know you don't like defense defense travels in the NCAA tournament. And if you're, if you're not shooting well, you can, you can kind of recover and, and play the hell out of the defensive side of the ball, and you can advance. Tennessee's got one of those defenses that can do that. They suffocated Texas A&M. A lot of people were high on them to kind of pull the ups in the SEC title game, and Tennessee beat them by 15. I think Tennessee is better than Villanova just because of the strength of schedule, who they've played. I'm not sure if they played each other head-to-head. They may have this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I think Tennessee gets past Nova in the elite to the, go to the elite eight. And then Arizona gets revenge on Tennessee for losing them earlier in the year and advances to the final four. All right. So we're pretty close then. I think this is a pretty chalky bracket region. Uh, Villanova is the two Arizona is the one Tennessee is the three Illinois is the four. I think they definitely win their first round game. Um, so I don't, I don't I like that say, 13 upset. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say definitely that game is going to be very close. I would probably take Chattanooga on the spread to cover there, but I think Illinois wins the game outright. I think um, Illinois is going to win that game outright too. I, I just couldn't pick against them. Um, Houston's traditionally not a bad 
team. Um, I would probably are, take them. They are they are very good again this year, except they're down their top two players who got hurt earlier in the season. They're out for the rest of the year. UAB can scare them. UAB, I believe, was the highest ranked outside of Gonzaga mid-major conference winner in this pool as the 12 seed. They've got a bona fide score and the offense and the defensive analytics, they check out their top 35 in both offensive and defensive efficiency in the country. They got a bona fide superstar in Jelly Walker, um, who's their leader. Um, but Houston's a tough cookie. They've, they've, again, they were in the final four last year. They, they yeah. played defense. They're the best defensive team. I think to statistically in the country this year, um, I think I like Houston to go to the sweet 16. I like Michigan to get past Colorado state in the first round as 11. Um, and I like Loyola Chicago to beat Ohio state. Yeah. I think that one could happen too. Um, I'll go out on a limb and say that 10 over seven, they're actually favored in that game. Uh, Loyola, they're like a two or three point favorite. So I just want to throw another tidbit of fact on you. Delaware is the 15 seed in this bracket. Yes. Do you know who their point guard is? I can't say I do. You remember Jameer Nelson, St. Joe's team several years ago, played for the Magic several years? I do. His son is their point guard. Really? Okay. Interesting. Yep. Interesting tidbit. I like that. And, hey, you never know. We always have the tournament players, right? And these guys that come on in the tournament, like John Morant, his last year, um, he was more of a tournament guy. Um, And it's always always interesting because then you get rounds like where – uh, LeBron is calling for uh, Shabazz Napier to be uh, drafted by the heat. Um, so you, you can't take it too seriously. Like if a guy has a good tournament, like Steph Curry, sometimes it works out, uh, but it doesn't always work out, but that's interesting uh, tidbit there. So I have Villanova coming out of this one. You have Arizona. So we are pretty chalky there just to recap. So far I have in the final four, a two seed, a one seed um, and another two seed. So I have two twos and a one. Burke has a three, a four, and a one. Traditionally speaking, the ones and twos and sometimes threes get to the final four. I would say that at least three of the final four teams will be a one or two seed. You think? No. I think that almost always happens. It hasn't. Well, last year. Not all four is ones. I'm saying a one or a two seed. Last year you had two ones, a two and an 11. So there you go. There's three. Yeah. I think three a couple of years ago, it was all four ones, right? It's only and happened. That, like, one, that, that never happened. No, it's only happened one time ever that all four number one seats. One time, but it was kind of, re- it was fairly recent. I think like, that recent, I mean, within 10 years, it was the year Steph Curry made that run and nearly beat Kansas. It was the Derek Rose. It was oh, okay. the, uh, the, uh, oh, who is this? Chalmers hit the shot. To, to send him into overtime for Kansas yeah. to win the national championship. Yeah. That was the last time. That was the last uh, time it, that all four ones went that was to the actually, final four. I don't, was, since, I don't since, think that happens this well, year. Since the, since the 64 team bracket, that's the only time that's ever happened. Right. But the, the point of my spiel is if you do have your elite eight where it's one, 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 two, three, two, two, you're probably going to be more right than wrong. Yes. The, the good teams usually shake. You might miss one of them. Like you get an 11 seed that goes through or you get a, uh, you know, a 13 that wins a couple of games. Yeah. But if you, if you get seven of seven of That's eight, right. six of eight elite eight teams, you have a chance to score many right. points. And as the rounds get deeper in your bracket, they're worth you, more points. They're worth more points. And you have a better chance to make up ground. That's for sure. Right. So the point being, if you have your elite eight and it's four ones and two twos and two threes, 
don't think you did anything wrong just because you don't have a lot of later game upsets. They don't have to happen. And unless even you though, think there's, even though there's 32 games over the next two days in the first round, you should only really be very nervous about eight of those games, which would be about a handful the, of them. Yeah. All, all the teams that are going to your lead eight. If you can stack your elite eight with at least six teams, if you get six be, of them, you're in really you're, good. You're going to be in very good shape in one of your pools. Yeah. Or, or all right. So pools. let's, let's wrap up with the Midwest region here. Our last region, Kansas is the one seed. Um, Auburn is a two. Uh, Wisconsin is the three Providence is the four Iowa, the five. Uh, so not as much like, name power in this bracket um kansas is a pretty good one seed auburn i don't know too much about them um honestly i don't know too much about a lot of teams in this bracket i have a soft spot for the richmond spiders so i'm probably going to pick them over iowa i don't know if we like that pick or not but uh i was hot i'm picking richmond i'll put it on the record now we'll see what happens i have no research to back that off of Um, they are speaking of your senior experience they've got I think they had four of their five starters as super seniors, which they took. They came back for the Love COVID it. year that everybody got. So, Love they, it. They, they're they're experienced for sure. So there you go. I'm I'm picking Richmond not to come out of the bracket, just to win their first round matchup. I'm going to take Kansas to come out of this region, just because I can't find any other team that would beat them. To me, on paper and on name recognition, this is maybe the fourth the the least strong bracket what do you think yeah i mean they have wisconsin as the three seed i think they're more of a four four maybe colgate beats them i think i was a i was i won wisconsin i think are misseeded in this bracket i think i was more of a three and wisconsin should be the five um but they're not i think providence is the most overrated four seed team i've seen in a very long time i'm looking at south dakota state to beat them outright that's one of my, that's probably my biggest upset of the entire tournament. Um, I don't think I'm picking any 14 seeds this year. I just, I don't see it happening based on how everything's broken down. But of course, tomorrow around like 2 PM, there's going to be a 14 seed pushing the hell out of a three seed. And I'm going to be. Oh, of course. Always. Yeah. Um, Real quick in the chat, John Warner says 2008 was the year. All those ones advanced. Does that sound yes, right? Yes. 2008. Yep. And like, again, I'm, I'm, LSU, they just fired their head coach. So they're they're going into the tournament with an interim coach and they're the sixth seed. Iowa State's their first matchup and they've struggled to score many, many times this year. I think they've had multiple games where they've scored under 40 points this year as a team. So and LSU can play defense. So if you're if you're looking at a prop bet, Iowa State under in their first round against LSU is probably pretty good to take. There you have it. Check out what the number is. Go under. Um I think. I think Auburn's probably your 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 closest fighter to giving Kansas a chance. I do like Kansas a lot. I haven't. I'm stuck between those two. I haven't made a selection yet, but it's going to be an Auburn Kansas. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's eight, a one-two matchup in the Elite Eight. The only one that could spoil it is if Iowa continues to stay hot, but I don't think they match. But they're going to lose well to the against, Spiders. I don't think they match up well against either Kansas or Auburn if they they get one of the two teams. Yeah, and, and it was, comes down to a lot I was, of the matchups. I was a trendy Final Four pick, but the Big Ten has historically done not so great in the NCAA tournament. That's true, too. Michigan State, Wisconsin had those two years where they went to back-to-back Final Fours, national champion. The one year they lost to Duke. Um, usually, I mean, last year, uh, I think big the Big Ten had eight or nine teams in, and none of them made the Sweet oh, 16. Oh, they got smoked. None of them? 
Yeah, I don't think so. Even, they did even Purdue, even I remember Purdue that was this big, year. They uh, were getting a lot of, Purdue was getting a lot of press for for being the team that could get over the hump, get them to their first Final Four, but they've got problems defensively. Yeah, I will, I mean, I will expose them in the Big Ten Championship. I mean, they got two big guys, but just inconsistency from the outside and you you can you can defend against two big guys if, if you can like Gonzaga will eat them alive if they ever yeah. run into them. You you got to have a good balance. You got to be able to do everything to win this tournament. Again, the tournament. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Let's finish up this region. I've got Kansas coming out of this, and it's probably my most confident pick to come out of their region is Kansas. Which means this bracket's going to go. This region of the bracket's going to be going to hell. Which means it certainly could. And since there's no powerhouse in here other than Kansas and maybe Auburn, if you want to throw them in there, there could be first round upsets in this bracket. Uh, and I wouldn't be too surprised. Like this um, would this would be the bracket where I would consider a double digit seed winning multiple games. Yeah, I mean, why not? Right. If you think like maybe Richmond wins and maybe South Dakota State both win and then you get the the dreaded 12, 13 second round matchup. Who knows? Um, I think that it's going to be a little chaotic tomorrow and Friday. But I think that by the second round, this bracket becomes maybe one, two, three, four with the one prevailing. Yeah. I'm, I'm leaning one, two. Well, I don't even know. I, I, I have to think about this. Well, I got, more. I got Kansas coming out of here. That's, that's one of my locks. Burke is undecided as of yet. Leaning, um, but let, leaning, leaning Auburn, leaning, leaning Auburn. Auburn. Let's get to the good stuff. The champion of the tournament. And again, the tournament is not to determine the best team in the country. It is to determine the winner of the tournament. And those are two very different things because many times the best team in the country is not also the winner of the tournament, right? Because they're one game and they're college kids and you never know what's going to happen in one game. Sometimes it is the best team. Sometimes it is not. It will not be a double digit seed that wins the tournament. It will probably not be a four or lower seed that wins the tournament. Um, My winner. And obviously we do multiple brackets every year. So I have different winners. I would say my most confident winner and I'm going to kind of go against the grain because we love Gonzaga. I'm going to say Kentucky. Kentucky is the winner of the 2022 March Madness bracket. That's my take. I mean, they're, they're going to have the national player of the year. It's a good pick. It's a great pick. Kentucky is my, my team that I'm riding with. I have brackets where probably all the – I have probably a Gonzaga bracket, an and Arizona bracket, they're, they're, or whatever. They're a more experienced Kentucky team than what we're used to with John Calipari. Right, we're used to Calipari Calipari like got, turning flipping got, freshmen out. Got yeah, old transfers like juniors and seniors, and yep, and they've got that mix of good fresh, talented freshmen. It's it's a good formula. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Arizona. Arizona. I, I was between them because I like Arizona. I think I have a Kentucky Arizona final in a lot of these um, brackets. I just love how much they score, man. They're almost ninety a game. That's crazy. And they play very good defense too to back I it think up. They're, they're a not. Good team. They're not. They are not a one-dimensional team. And it's been a while since I've pulled for an Arizona team. Um, since it's been a while, it's been a while since they've been good. It's been a while since they've been good. And do you know what name I'm going to drop right now? Is the last time Arizona was any good? God, we have a we have a sneaky left-hander. Oh, that plays is, for Stoudemire. 
Salim Stoudemire, correct? I, I don't even remember when we must have been in middle school or high school, but I remember watching we were, them. We were, uh, and we I were love in that guy. School. I love they, that. Team. They, in, I forget, I think it was 2005 because they ran into Illinois in the Elite. Illinois, eight. that I was going to bring that game up. Illinois had the three headed monster of yes. Aaron Williams, D Brown, and D. Brown. Luther Head that were shooting threes before the three became cool. Yes. And they were down, I believe, double digits with under four minutes to go. Arizona looked like they were going to go on to the final four. And uh, they took over, won the game in overtime, and ended up going to the national championship, where they did lose to a very good North Carolina team. But I remember that. I do remember that. I was going to bring up that exact game because we were in um, high school at that point. And uh, or no, we were still in middle school at that point. I think, we were, I think we were eighth grade, but we were we ran a bracket back then. And uh, I remember watching that game. And if Arizona won, I was going to win the whole thing because I picked them to beat Illinois in that game. And it was like, you know, 200 bucks or something, which might as well have been a million dollars to an eighth grader back then. Um, so I was really upset that they lost that game. I'm still not over it. We have a couple comments in the chat. Um, John Warner asks if this is the finally the year that Gonzaga can do it. Um, the defeat in the finals last year was brutal, but we've seen teams come back from even worse losses. He cites Virginia. I think Gonzaga is going to be there in the final four. I think they're getting out of their region. I wouldn't be surprised if they won it. They've been one of the most consistent tournament teams, despite not having won the tournament. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they won. And I don't think you would be either. I wouldn't either. They've got arguably the best front court in America Two two all Americans. there, most likely the number one draft pick going into the NBA this coming summer. Mm-hmm. Um, the only problem is between this year's team and last year's team is their guards. Uh, last year you had a bona fide point guard who was a top five draft pick and a sniper sharpshooter who could hit threes. Their, their shooting is still solid, but it's not as consistent as it was last year. Um, and, uh, and uh, I, I, I just think they, they're not as like physically tough as other Gonzaga teams. And uh, I can see them going to the final four. I don't, I don't think they can get past Arizona. And I honestly, I don't think they, they may not be able to get past Texas tech and that, that tough defense because teams that have been up in their face and, and pressured them are, and who could match them talent for talent have gotten success this year. Duke's beaten them. Alabama's beaten them. Alabama's an absolute yeah. wild card in this year's tournament because you don't know what you're going to get. And St. Mary's beat them the last game of the regular season for them. And I just I think you get a, t- a team that can kind of be physical with Gonzaga. You get Holmgren in foul trouble. Uh, yeah. It could it could be it could be doomsday for them. But they are definitely talented as any to win the national. They're they're the number they're one. They're talented seed enough where they. Could it's not a joke that they're the number one seed the last several years. They have been the right. number one team in the country. It's just a they matter. Have a good, they have a good can, program. They have a good, you know, can they, pedigree, can they, whatever you want to say. Can they string six years in a row or six games in a row um, to get it sure. done? I, I, I'm not sold on it as I, I, I thought I was going to be last year. And even I wasn't completely sold on because I took Baylor. Yeah. Even yeah. with, I mean, the they're, gra- they're probably my third most likely team behind Arizona and Kentucky. Um, and then I would put Gonzaga, but would I be shocked if they won? 
No, John Warner also says he thought I was about to drop a Derek Williams reference there for Arizona. That's another one. I think he got drafted by the Wolves um, sometime in the early 2010 range. That's another good zone, Arizona name. Uh, Katie Carter asks, what's a range for total points in the championship game? This is a good question because it's usually the tiebreaker in all of these pools. Which never, which never, never, ever like which gets utilized. Never I've never comes seen into play. Used. Yeah, usually there's like an outright winner, but... It, it almost never comes into play, but I'm going to say, you know, these games are, they could be as low as in the sixties or as high as in the eighties. It all so depends. It all depends on the two teams. It depends on who are going to make it to the championship. And my suggestion would be whoever you have as your final two, look up their average points per game and tally right. them up. And that should be your, your, your tiebreaker range number. That's probably a great way to do it because if you're in the tiebreaker, chances are you have both of the final two teams, correct? Because somebody is probably barring a major upset. Somebody is nailing the final, somebody's nailing the final four. So if you have the final two teams, correct, look up their averages. That should be your total point prediction for the final game. Um, so that's it, man. I guess Do you have uh, any other like surefire locks that you have for tomorrow or Friday. Get your popcorn ready. It's going to be a great four days. It's going to be a great four days. Don't do any work. Pretend that you're working for the next four days. They used to have those things. It doesn't matter anymore because half of us work from home and nobody's boss really walks around and checks. But they used to have those like things on the March Madness page where if you like clicked in the top right, it would default to like a PowerPoint presentation or something. Very, very, somebody, somebody's thinking outside the box. I love it. I love it. It was a little like a pop-up on the top of the CBS uh, news page right. on, uh, on their landing page. And it would show like a PowerPoint <laughs> of some like ways to make your company more productive or something. Um, so it's funny. I think it's a great weekend. Try to watch these games. It's super fun. They started like noon. Right. And I think they run yeah, all 12, night. 12, 12, 10. Is the, first is the game, first one and they go in waves of four and they're kind of spread out where you can watch one game to the end then flip to another one that's going to be with like five six minutes to go and then just keep stacking them Cycle together and there, there will be a lot of good ones. there will be games on all day tomorrow from 12 10 to well past midnight i believe yeah thursday and friday saturday is something i love that and when we had the nba bubble that was a once in a lifetime opportunity because we had NBA games from noon until midnight for weeks straight. And it was fantastic. And you get that replication uh, here in March madness for two days. And it, it's significant. Like the rest of the tournament is good, but these first two days are what make the tournament fun. And I'm, I'm actually excited now because last year, obviously they were in the bubble in Indianapolis and you couldn't, you could only have limited fans. If any, like each, each team was allowed a certain amount of, the people um, to attend the games you watched like Indiana last night, the games were in Dayton, Ohio, but Indiana's right next door. Uh, they travel very well. And it was almost like a home game for them. And it, it was, it was nice to see the, uh, the arena packed again for these tournaments. We were, we were deprived of what would have been a probably the most wide open 2020 NCAA tournament Um a number of teams there was no like great great team like yeah. here there's probably three or four that are not a like a big cut above the rest but like you're safe to pick them to go far and there's not really other options that can like contend with them obviously yeah. they can get knocked off but that 2020 we were deprived i think we're going to see a lot of fireworks and it, um it's the pageantry of march madness is officially back starting tomorrow at noon 
And yeah, I, can't man, I can't wait. Excited. It's going to be a good weekend. So tune in. We'll be tweeting about it the whole time. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be giving you your picks for the games and everything, but more importantly, sit back and enjoy the tournament, fill out a bracket, fill out 10 brackets. Who cares? Pin one on your wall, see how you're doing. Um, but just enjoy the tournament games. It only happens once a year. And so, I'll be, and I'll be posting if there's, I'll be posting against the spread picks. Yeah. Burke will keep up Twitter with the betting account. picks on the tournament. Um, I too. won't be, I won't be betting every game. Like it'll be, it'll be based on feel and, and hopefully we can continue the run that we had through championship week. Uh, did very, very well there and hope hopefully we can carry that through for the next three weeks. And, uh, if you guys follow along, hopefully we uh, can get your uh, wallets a little bit heavier. That's it, buddy. Keep up the good work. I will be back with NBA picks in the next couple of weeks. I'm still on hiatus TBD until when I'm back. But Burke will pick up the slack in the meantime. Until yeah. next time, as always, I'm your host, Ken Doolittle, joined by Michael Burke. And until we meet again, let's go watch some college basketball for once. And let's and make, make some money. money.